0: Creativity goes beyond a pencil and a paintbrush. Hello creative people and welcome to I Am Creative. My name is Hollis Citron and we are so happy that you have chosen to spend your time with us. So what are we doing here? We are really diving into this word creativity and what it means. In all of the conversations that I have had, nobody has ever defined creativity as drawing or painting. People have defined creativity as your soul's essence, that magic spark, how you show up in the world. What my true mission is, is to really expand this definition and allow people to be able to see themselves in it. Because when people see themselves in this definition, when they've never been told that they fit inside of it, they stand up straighter. They feel like they have something to offer the world and basically are happier humans. So these conversations are structured on three questions. One, how do you define creativity? Two, how do you incorporate it into your life? And three, why do you think that it's important? So let's just dive right in. So my inspiring guest for today is Dr. Mort Orman. He is an internal medicine physician with 40 years of success as an anger elimination expert. He is creator of Angry No More, a 10 session quick anger mastery program that has proven to be extremely effective for helping people overcome long-standing anger issues. Dr. Mort, welcome to the space. Thank you,
1: thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, so you're welcome. So before we dive in, we're gonna do, I'm gonna ask you just a quick little question for, to see about like a little fun fact about you. Is there like a fun fact or something that you can share with us before we get started?
1: A fun fact. Yes. Uh, my childhood hero was Johnny Unitas of the Baltimore Colts, who made a huge impact on my life just by me watching him play football as a kid growing up in Baltimore. So without, without having that experience, I might not have accomplished all the things I've accomplished in my life.
0: I actually remember, because when we spoke a while back, I remember you mentioning him. And did you actually meet him? Yes. That was what stood out to me. I was like, "Oh my gosh, you actually got to meet your hero!"
1: Yes, yes,
0: yeah. So, give us. I mean, since we're on this topic, before we dive in, tell us, like, how was that? How was that meeting him?
1: Um, well, I was. I had always been kind of intimidated uh, about going up to him because I thought that he probably, you know, had so many people come up to him that he would, he was hating it by now. So, I I had many opportunities because he we belonged to the same racket club. Uh, okay. After he after he retired from professional football, you know, he played racquetball and I played tennis. And so I saw him periodically in the club and I always wanted to go up to him. And I, you know, I was always afraid to, and then one day we just got, we were in the locker room together, just the two of us. And um, there were no excuses (laughs) anymore.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I love it though, because those could be one of those opportunities where you completely freeze up. Yeah. And yeah. you don't say anything. You're just like, uh, you don't say anything or you say something really stupid, yeah. which and could I'm be a good him, icebreaker.
1: I said to him, listen, Johnny, I just I hope you don't mind me saying this, but I just want you to know that next to my father, you probably had the greatest impact on my life and, you know, me being successful in life. And I just wanted to thank you for that. And he was really gracious and appreciative. And, you know, all the all the fears I had about how he might react negatively were all, you know, uh, made up. Uh, and it didn't happen.
0: Wow. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What were you going to say?
1: Nothing. I'm good. Oh,
0: okay. <laughs> that you're adding on. That's <laughs> amazing. That, that is a perfect start. Thank you for that. That It's pretty inspiring when you actually get to meet your hero and you actually get to say something and have a conversation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, beautiful. Will, I will
1: always remember that moment.
0: And they're gracious back.
1: Yes. He was really, he was really very kind and, and uh, appreciative and moved, he was moved by my saying what I said. And I was too, you know, I felt like I was, you know, almost going to cry by th- telling him that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cause he really it's huge. Me. He really made a, he really made a huge impact on me.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. That's the beauty I think of life in general. Like you don't know who you impact. Yes. And at times you get to actually meet those people and you get to say something like you did, but there's so many times, even when you meet somebody just for like a few seconds, they can have that huge impact on you and you may never see them again.
1: Interesting for our topic. I mean, he actually created something in me. I mean, he, he, he had this amazing winning attitude as a football player. Mm -hmm. I mean, no matter how far the team was behind, he always was confident that he would, engineer winning drive and bring them back. And, and me as a kid watching him without any direct interaction, you know, talking to me or anything, he created within me that same desire to win mm-hmm. from, from a distance. It was, mm-hmm. and I'm sure I wasn't the only one in Baltimore. Um, he had huge numbers of fans. So he probably did the same thing to a lot of other people. But particularly for me, I noticed that, that, that they created something in me that lasted my whole lifetime.
0: Mm-hmm. It's pretty big, yeah. Kind of important.
1: <laughs>
0: yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so okay. So let's just dive into and get to know you some more. And the first official official question is, Doctor Mort, how do you define creativity?
1: Uh, I define creativity, and this is probably not the only way to define it. Well, maybe there's two ways that, that I would define it. So the first way would be making something out of nothing. Mm-hmm. And then the second way would then be combining things that already existed to come up with something that was new and different uh, by virtue of combining already existing mm-hmm. elements. So either mm-hmm. starting it starting from scratch and then making something happen, or creating something, either an object or an organization or a event, anything, uh, birthday party, you know, whatever it is, creating it and then also rearranging things so that you come up with a new creative combination. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Love this. So, okay. So we're going to dive into this obviously more and explore more of this as we find out more about who you are, because your background is just so interesting to me. Um, So tell us, I know it's kind of broad, but wherever you want to start and kind of telling you did start, with saying with Johnny Unitas when you were young and that he inspired you. Yes. Um, here you are in internal medicine, your physician. But I know that there was a lot of um, questioning in that role for you. Am I correct in that? In, in what regard? Friend, I've, you didn't know if you were going to be a physician or if you'd be good enough to be a physician.
1: Oh, I definitely did not. I definitely did not want to be a physician.
0: You didn't. So tell uh, yeah. us the story behind that, because I know that there was, I remember something and everybody, I'm sorry, it's been a little bit since we spoke, yeah. but tell us more about the story. And um, Yeah, no, yeah. Growing,
1: growing up, my parents wanted me to be a physician,
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: but I had no interest in it whatsoever. I mean, I was freaked out by sick people. Um, <laughs> I didn't like hospitals. I didn't like going to the doctor. I didn't like needles. I didn't. Uh, I didn't like any of doctor related stuff. I didn't. You know, I, I imagined it would be a lot of studying and reading, which I didn't like. Um, so I, I, I didn't like anything about it. I didn't want to do it. And I didn't think I had the talent. You know, I didn't think I was smart enough. I didn't think I had the work ethic. Um, I just, all across the board, it was like, no, 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 no. But my parents kept pushing. But I did like science. I got turned on by actually a very creative eighth grade biology teacher. Um, who was just so in love with learning and biology that Mm -hmm. he just turned me on to that, you know, to wanting to understand science and understand how biology worked and how other scientific things work. So I got a a science bug. So when I went to college at Duke University, even though I didn't want to be a doctor, uh, I ended up taking the pre-med curriculum because that's where all the best, the most advanced science courses um, were in the pre-med track. So uh, I had no intention of ever applying to or going to medical school, and it made my parents happy that I was doing that, but I knew in my own heart that no way was I going to give in and do that. So um, so that's where I was. and then I ended up getting turned on to biochemistry and decided I wanted to be a biochemistry researcher. and And that mm-hmm. was my that was my plan. And so I scheduled an appointment with the head of the Department of Biochemistry at Duke, where I went. Um, to apply for a position there in, in the early part of my senior year. And I had applied to medical school just to make my parents happy. And I got in to two schools. But, <laughs> I, but I was not going to go. <laughs> Absolutely not going to Just
0: despite them, right.
1: Not going to go. I had already made up my mind, biochemistry, that's what I wanted to do. Schedule this appointment, get there, meet this guy who doesn't know me from Adam, and I tell him this story, same story I just told you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Parents want me to be a doctor. I don't want to do it. Applied to medical school, make them happy. Got in, don't want to go. And after I, five minutes of me telling him the story, the first thing he said to me was he t- turned to me and he said, are you some kind of an idiot?
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're like, um, <laughs> he,
1: really, he really startled me when he, he really startled me when he said that. And he followed up on it saying, don't you know, don't you know that you would be much better? If you want to do biochemistry research, don't you know that you would be much better off with an MD degree than with a PhD degree? And I actually didn't know that, you know, so I said, Mm -hmm. no, I don't know that. He said, and don't you know that you can go to medical school and you don't have to end up being a doctor. A lot of people go to medical school. They don't practice medicine. They do other things. I said, no, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, he said, look, uh, the life of a PhD biochemistry researcher is really hard. You know, you're constantly fighting for grant money and this and that, and that. You've got this golden opportunity in front of you to get an MD degree. You you would be a better biochemistry researcher as an MD than as a PhD. And I had never thought of that before. Mm. And, then he said, and then he said, what's the worst thing that can happen? You go after the first year, if you hate it, drop out, come back here, I'll give you a position. Mm. So it was like, even though I didn't want to go, he like made, you know, in 15 minutes, he changed my life by presenting me with, you know, that scenario, uh, which I was completely unaware of. Okay. So Mm -hmm. I said, okay, makes sense. Um, And I enrolled in one of the, in the University of Maryland, which was one of the two schools that I got uh, in my hometown school that I got accepted to. And, and then I ended up just kind of falling into uh liking medicine which i didn't Hmm. plan to do do. and um Mm -hmm. so i kind of backed into it and now i'm very grateful that uh that i did it because now i love it you know i've loved it for 50 years um it's what i you know i wouldn't do anything else if i had a choice to do anything else that's basically what i would do and it all almost didn't happen you know
0: so first of all i love that (laughs) He was so, he just had such candor with you. and was like, what's yeah. the worst thing that can happen? And are you an idiot? Yeah. yeah. Like you were like, what? <laughs> like I, I didn't, that's unprofessional.
1: <laughs> but you know, it's interesting. It's interesting because some of the best, some of the biggest breakthroughs I've had in my life, and I've had a number of them, okay. Um, came from realizing that what I thought I knew wasn't true.
0: Hmm.
1: And having somebody or something point out to me that, you know, a belief that I had or assumption that I had or something I was absolutely certain about, like, I will not go to medical school (laughs) under -hmm. any circumstances, turned out to be not true. And, and, you know, and uh, all these, and the beliefs I had about myself that I didn't have the ability turned out not to be true. Mm
0: -hmm. Because
1: once I got in there and started going to work, it was like, it's no different than college work. You know, I had the ability to do it. It just, you spend more time. And you, and you, you know, more focused, you know, um, but it's no harder than college courses. Um, so I, 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 and then, and then the actual interacting with patients and doing differential diagnosis and figuring out what's going on and all you know, that all became kind of fun and interesting.
0: There's a lot of problem solving Yeah, and yeah. really listening and this people interaction.
1: Yeah. And I had some really good mentors in medical school who were great doctors. I mean, they were really, really good doctors, but they really loved taking care of patients Mm -hmm. and it didn't matter whether somebody had an interesting illness or a mundane illness to them. A sore throat was just as exciting as somebody with a cardiac arrest, you know? Really? Yeah. It was like, because there's so many different sore throats can be in so many different nuances. You know, if you have a sore throat, like two days before your wedding, It's Mm -hmm. it's a different situation than if you just, you know, have a run of the mill, sore throat the last day or two and Mm -hmm. you're back, you know, to normal. So there's all, or you might have mono or you might have some other illness or something like that. So it's never quite as, as, as uh, simple as it might first appear. There's always nuances and depth and, and context and stuff that's important to understand.
0: So. So you really have to pay attention.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And again, that word listen, like really listen to people and observe people. And yeah, I mean, I have to say like, as so what's kind of jumping into my head is like with my son's pediatrician, our son was our first child. And there was just a lot of health issues in the sense of, you know, him not being able to breathe, which was asthmatic stuff and high fevers and all of this. And it was so nice to have someone who didn't make me feel crazy.
1: Yeah.
0: Because he wasn't belittling me at any point when I'd call up with a question or or something. At one point I actually said to him, I said, Am I crazy? Like am I being like, you know, a um what's the word that I can't think of right now where I'm making things up? Hy- hy- hypochondriac or something. Hi- thank you very much. <laughs> am I being a hypochondriac? Am I he's like, Hollis, anytime you felt something, it was true. And that could have gone another way, even though we did have these concrete things of things going on. He could have said to me, you're worrying too much. You're a first time mom. You're da, 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 da. But he didn't. And I'm so grateful for that.
1: Yeah, that's good. Good that you had that experience.
0: Yeah, because I still remember it to this day. I mean, it's 23 years later. And um, it it made me feel confident as a person, um, because when you're belittled by someone who is in the position that you are in, as a physician, people look up to them, and but at the same time, when people feel like they know their bodies, but they're not being heard, yeah. um, there's a lot which actually kind of leads into, which I'm interested in how you got more into this, was stress. Um, there's yeah, a lot well, of that, stress and a lot of anger on, and all this. my
1: own personal experience, you know, personally mm. experiencing a lot of anger and stress as a young 20-year-old, 20, 20 30-year-old, um, going through... You know, it's funny, going through medical training, is, A, is stressful, um, and, but but also, even worse than that, it teaches you, in order to make somebody a good doctor, you've got to teach them um, habits that are going to cause them stress outside hmm. of medicine. Outside
0: of medicine. So tell us think, more about when, that. When you think yeah. about it, mm-hmm.
1: when you think about what does a doctor need to be good at? To be good as doctoring they've got to be right all the time they've got to be a perfectionist can't make mistakes mm-hmm. you can't you can't miswrite a prescription or misdiagnose you know somebody's illness you got to be in you got to take control and be in control most of the time
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know you've got you've got so those right there are three big stress generators right if, if you If you go home after you've seen patients all day and you expect your wife and kids to be perfect and you always want to be right, you know, and win every argument and you want to be in control and have things your way, you're probably going to end up divorced. Mm -hmm. But it'll make you a good doctor. Those qualities Mm -hmm. will will make you a good doctor. So, and, And for a lot of doctors, it's really hard to turn it off. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it needs to be turned off because you and that that's one of the challenges we all face as physicians you've got to turn that stuff off when you're not you don't have your doctor hat on um, right so that you can interact with people and do things in life where you don't cause a lot of problems and, and chaos and resentment among other people so and, and some doctors can't make that shift you know or mm-hmm. can, develop the skill to do that but that's ultimately what I had to do to, to get rid of some of the stress that I had. Um, and, and the anger thing was, um, was really bothersome to me. I mean, I had lots of anger. I would get angry at the drop of a dime. I couldn't control it. Um, I, I took up tennis when, when in my late twenties and I was literally like John McEnroe, not, not from a tennis standpoint, but, um, from an Mm. anger anger standpoint, you know, he used to, get really angry at himself and thrash his racket around and yell at the umpires and yell at his, you know, fans. And he was a real hothead on the tennis court. And I was like that too. And I couldn't control it. And it bothered me. And plus it ruined my relationships with women. Every one of them failed. Um, it, I started getting angry at patients at times, if they did stupid things or didn't follow my advice, you know, so it was like wreaking havoc in my life. And, um, I was angry at my parents. I was angry at my sister and I I just couldn't, you know, tried all the standard anger management stuff and it just didn't help that much. Yeah. So, So, I, you know, but I kept, I kept looking for a solution because I could see the impact, you know, when you're taking care of patients, a lot of people don't have this perspective when you go to work or other people go to work, you don't see a parade of people come through your office and you can see the angry ones and the non-angry ones and you see them over time and you see what happens to them. Health-wise, mm-hmm. family-wise, business-wise, you see all the negative impacts of anger um, in the people you're taking care of and you realize that if you're sitting with anger yourself, you realize, oh my God, that's, that's going to happen to me if I don't figure out some way to get, a- get out of this or get away from this. So yeah. It, it, it motivated me. And again, here's where that Johnny Unitas thing comes in. Because I always had this attitude, you know, I'll find a way to win. I'll, I'll find a way to defeat this anger. I don't know what how it's... I don't know where I'm going to find it. I don't know how I'm going to find it. But I never gave up hope that I'm eventually going to find a solution. Whereas a lot of people mm-hmm. in my situation, having tried a bunch of stuff and failed repeatedly for years, would have probably concluded you Know there's no point in trying anymore, you know, it's just not going to happen, you know.
0: Yeah, so, so when you came to this conclusion, when you were willing to step up and be like, Okay, we're going to do something about this, this is like all happening, you know, it's like you're coming to an understanding. How old were you? Were you in your late 20s when this happened, or
1: early, late 20s, early 30s? Mm-hmm. I had been, I'd gone through my medical training, I'd opened my own practice. Um, I was doing well professionally, um, but I had all this internal, you know, angst. That you you know you have to hide it from people. You don't you, you don't you know you're a professional doctor. You don't walk around talking telling people that you're anxious and angry and upset inside. Yeah. You know you kind of put on the yeah. air air of successful professional, um, which I was. But I, inside, I wasn't feeling all that successful in, in terms yeah. of bat, battling my emotions and relationship conflicts I was having and um, stress that I was dealing with other types of stress I was dealing with you don't feel good when you have all that stuff going on and you can't beat it you know what I mean
0: right yeah it's huge yeah so it's Im- it's important for everybody to hear and recognize and ladies and gentlemen we know this but it's when you don't feel good <laughs> when you don't feel good when you're feeling all stressors constantly when you're feeling like when you're not expressing when you're not communicating, you're wreaking havoc on your body.
1: Yeah, but it's not the solution is not communicating um, and expressing. Um, okay. It was, a deeper, it was a deeper solution than that because that. Yeah, talk to us. Yeah. You know, I, ha- I had to go deep inside myself mm-hmm. and, and discover the roots of the anger and the stress and the relationship failures within myself. Yeah. Which, which I, my orientation had always been to kind of blame things outside of me. So, for example, every time a relationship with a woman failed, I would do a, like a post mortem. You know what a post mortem is? You, no, you do, like, you do like a review, like if, in medicine, if you're taking care of somebody and they die. Okay. So they do. And sometimes they do an autopsy, but you go back and you review all the things that were done and things that were thought.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: How the person was taken care of, and you try to see if the, any mistakes were made. You know, or mm-hmm. if it could have been done differently. So you just do a post a post mortem, which is after death, basically, uh, review. So after those relationships would die, I would do an analysis of why it happened. And usually I would identify a couple of things that were wrong with the woman that I was uh, in relationship with. And then I would say, okay, well, next time I'm not going to choose a woman that has those qualities. That's the solution.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. so,
1: so next time I would pick somebody that didn't have those qualities. And sure enough, the same thing would happen. The relationship would end. And then I would do another evaluation. So, okay. Well, I miss these qualities. So next time mm-hmm. I won't pick somebody with these qualities as well as those qualities. And then it just kept on going. And it took me, I was a little slower than most people in this, Regard, <laughs> <laughs> so it don't tell me that you know. Maybe I had something to do with.
0: It. <laughs> no way, really. <laughs> it takes two people to actually like be part of this whole thing. Hmm. You'd be
1: surprised how how many relationships you can go through and not have that thought.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's true. No, I understand. I totally understand. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah.
1: once the thought once the thought occurred to me, um then I had to pursue it. You know, and then I said you know, well, what's going on with me in relationships? What, how do I, what are my ideas about relationships? I, where did I get them from? What, what are they? You know, and then I started doing an inventory of as best I could. Plus I was doing personal development work at this time. I decided to do that. And that was a big decision that I made that it was a really great decision. And so I'm getting all this input from different people that I'm studying with and learning from and stirring up all kinds of insights. And mm-hmm. um, so I got all this stuff percolating and and I'm I'm trying to understand. that. And I finally figured out that I had a really bad uh, system for succeeding in relationships. I mean, I thought it, I thought it was good, but I never really looked at it honestly. And when I did, it was like, boy, that's a really crappy system. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't want to. I really wouldn't want to be with somebody that treated me that way. So uh, maybe the success system that I think is so great is really a failure system. Um, and maybe it's been working fantastically. to create failures in my (laughs) life. Talk about about creating.
0: (laughs) So, yeah, it's like you're creating and then being like, why? It's consistent. (laughs) You're like, why? It's not not me, it's them.
1: (laughs) The system worked perfectly. It destroyed every single relationship I ever tried to succeed at. Um, But it was all sort of in the background of my mind, so I really didn't see it until I started digging around looking for it. And then when I rooted it out and saw what it was, I went like, boy, that's terrible. I better start from ground zero and find out how to succeed in relationships. And so that was another quest that I went on, you know, finding people that knew some things about relationships and studying with them and, you know, picking up some skills that I could then incorporate. And lo and behold, you know, my relationship skills started to improve. Mm
0: -hmm. uh, Yeah.
1: So, but it wasn't until I did that deep, so I could have communicated all day long.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: but, But if I hadn't done that deep work inside, identify the roots within me it wouldn't matter you know yeah I, yes i I've just been communicating bad stuff or not the not the actual things i need to be communicating you know
0: yeah completely agree you have to do the inner work you have to actually know who you are and yeah you have you have to know who you are and and kind of you know look at your emotions and exactly like you said where does that come from and yeah. Yeah. kind of connect the dots and um, yeah, um it's you have not to look, perfect. You have to yeah. look
1: at your conditioning because we all get conditioned as we go through life. Yeah. So we get automatic thoughts and automatic perceptions and automatic behaviors and habits and they all get kind of commissioned into our body and then they just function automatically. And some of them, uh, they they have some good points to them, but some of them can be very destructive in, in yeah. different, con- different contexts. And unless unless you can understand how you've been programmed to mess things up in certain areas. Mm-hmm. And, and then you can stop that from happening uh, because you've developed more self-awareness. Uh, then, then you can start having a building a track record of success where you may have had a track record of failure before.
0: Yes. Yeah. And what you're making me think of is so in, um, in being an art teacher for 30 years and having my company, um, I'm creative uh, at one point I had a previous company and I, we were, I was going out and specifically working with medium of of clay, um, which is what I went to school for. So was doing a professional development and here I am in a room with people ranging from like 30 to 50. So here we go, holding on to this conditioning. I said, does anybody have a story? Does anybody have something that, um, kind of, uh, anybody who told them that they weren't creative? Um, mm-hmm. And this one particular, I've heard, there are many stories to be told on this, but this one particular person, he held, he raised his hand and he went back to middle school and he said, my teacher broke every one of my pieces. (laughs) And in his mind, it was like nobody else's pieces were broken when they very well could have. Ceramics is the material where there's a lot of variables. Are there air bubbles? What happened in the kiln? Blah, 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 blah. Um, So, but he was really angry and he was saying with a lot of conviction, every one of my pieces broke. So I can't tell you to make the story short. I said many prayers over that kiln (laughs) after (laughs) (laughs) afterwards and his piece came out perfectly, which was, you know, meaning no cracks and, and how he created it. So there was so much relief on that end. But here he was in his forties and he was still holding on to something from when he was yeah. at least eleven or twelve. And that's
1: that's what I mean by conditioning, those kinds of experiences. Sometimes it could be one big one experience that sticks stays with us for a long time, or it could be a series of similar experiences, you know, over time that just get registered in our body and then become part of who we are, you know, and
0: become yeah.
1: automatically. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I want to thank those that are here with us live. Thank you so much for um, uh, contributing to the conversation. We very much appreci- appreciate you. So before we move on to the next question, I actually want to know. So after you started doing this work on yourself, mm-hmm. how long was it before you met your wife?
1: Um, well, I, I was able to solve a number of problems. Like i solved the anger problem. Um, I learned about relationships and had some, you know, idea of how to succeed in relationships. And it was about, after I I did that, it took me like a year or two to do that work. And then I had previously done a year or two of personal development work where I wasn't so focused. Um, And then then after I kind of completed that inner work to a certain degree, where I was, uh, I could step in and keep the bad patterns from asserting themselves. I met my wife about uh, a year later
0: Okay. Yeah. So not too long and we are constantly a work in progress. Yeah. Yeah. But you got a lot of the work kind of, kind of done in a sense or yeah. figuring yeah. more things out along the way. Um, I'm curious here. So in the, in your bio, I said, um, I said, we we're going to move on to the next question, but this is staying within this. I want people to understand. I read about your 10 session quick anger ma- um, mastery program. Uh huh. So in an overall just, or, or in a synopsis. So what is that kind of about? What What do you do in 10 sessions?
1: It's something I created. Can you imagine that?
0: Wow. Amazing. <laughs> you took, you created something from nothing or? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. So actually
1: I created it twice. You know, I created it 40 years ago when I cobbled together a bunch of stuff from all these personal development programs that I was doing. And I, took bits and pieces from different things. And I built a little system to, that I thought would help me deal with my anger situation. And I gathered different insights and I put it in together a little system and I said, this might work. I'm going to try this. And lo and behold, it did. So it gave me great power and control over uh, my emotions in general and anger in particular. So I created mm-hmm. it back then, 40 years ago. And I've been using it ever since in my own life and teaching it to people over the last 40 years. Uh, in different formats, in different ways. So I've done a lot of seminars and workshops. Um, I've done one-on-one coaching with people, mm-hmm. but I decided, and, and a lot of it was on, I was focusing on stress, the larger uh, issue of stress of which anger is one piece. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I was mostly focused on stress, but in the last year and a half or so, I decided that I really wanted to tackle the problem of anger because it's such a big problem. And there's so much of it in the world today. And it's getting more and more people getting more and more angry and divided and hostile, Mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, and I wanted, you know, know, I wanted to prevent divorces and I wanted to prevent kids being estranged from their parents and then growing up to be angry parents themselves. So I, I wanted to tackle the anger problem. And that's when I, um, saw an opportunity to take all the things that I had learned that took me years and years and years to learn and see how quickly I could teach people the the system that I had developed, which was really a system when I finished with it. And uh, it wasn't all that complicated. And uh, I started teaching people. And I was able to produce amazing results with people in as little as 10 sessions, Mm -hmm. which shocked the hell out of me, because usually you think it's going to take years and years to change people who are angry, you know, to, to go from being angry to hardly ever getting angry. You would figure that takes years of therapy, but I've been able to do it in 10 sessions with people. Mm. People may have been angry all their lives, but they just mm-hmm. never had this perspective. They just never had this way of looking at anger that I put together 40 years ago. And that worked like a charm for me. And also other people that I taught it to, they never been exposed to it. It's not being taught widely. It's, It should be taught in high school. Every kid in high school (laughs) should understand where the hell their emotions come from, you know, and their anger, their anxiety, their guilt, (laughs) their worry. They should know where these things come from and and it's not that hard to teach it. My Mm God, it's easy. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's what I'm doing, you know, I'm focused on that. So I created this 10-session program and um, it's been working great for people and that's all it takes. It doesn't take a lot, much longer than that. And then you get... You, you, you get the system and you learn how to use it in those 10 sessions, and then it's yours. Mm-hmm. And you, you have it for the rest of your life. I, I have people that I taught it to 30 years ago that tell me they're still using it and they're still reaping benefits from it because it's, it, it's a very practical, simple way of thinking about anger and dealing with it that works like a charm.
0: Well, I think that's the key in anything, right, is it's simplicity and practicality. Yeah. Where people don't feel like they need to do like a million steps or yeah. get a doctorate degree in something in order to understand something. It's it's just make it so people understand it and it's simple to actually put into their lives and
1: yeah. I, you get the talking, results. I was talking with a gentleman yesterday out of the blue, never, don't know where he came from, but he sent me an email. So I'd like to find out about your anger program. Turns out he's a fireman. Um, he's uh, married. Second marriage and he's got two young kids and there's tension in their marriage and they're both, he and his wife are in therapy as a couple. They're also each individually in therapy. And one of, I think the wife's therapist suggested that uh, she tell him about me and send him to me to help him with his anger issues. Um, But anyhow, so I'm explaining the program to him and I'm telling him, look, A, I'm not a therapist. I'm not not a mental health professional. I'm a physician. Um, This isn't therapy. I'm not trying to delve into your deep psychic, you know, psych, psychological issues. This is a simple system. I'm going to teach you to deal with anger. And he said, his response was, thank God it's not therapy. I've been in therapy for years and I'm getting no (laughs) benefits. He's not getting any tangible results, you know, Mm -hmm. and and to, to hear that there's, you know, in 10 sessions, he can walk away with something that he can use to deal with his anger and his frustration and his irritations that happened, um, -hmm. he was like really excited about it, you know? Uh, Mm -hmm. and and as opposed to how he feels about the therapy that he's involved in.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It makes complete sense. And our listener just said people these days seem to be chained to convenience. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm just saying this is what kind of, um, what they just put into the chat as something that they shared and yeah they think okay yeah tell me but i really don't have to do the work
1: like this is work there's work involved but it's not hard work but it's you have to look inside you have to look inside you know you have to look at what's true you have to look at what your body's telling you is true automatically which is where anger comes from by the way and you have to examine those things and say well is 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 the thought A true? Is the thought B true? Is the thought C true? Is the thought D true? There's only four of them, by the way. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if you know what they are, then you can question them. But that's where Mm -hmm. the work comes in. Then you got to go like, okay, well, what's really true here?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, and how do I expand my field of vision so I can see more of what's true as opposed to the kind of narrow viewpoints my body's giving me. Mm -hmm. And, and, that's where people, it's, it's hard for people to do that on their own. Yeah. Okay. So I can give them the tool. Yeah. I can give them the tool that shows them where their anger is coming from and then say to them, now what you need to do is you need to challenge each of those assumptions or filters, I call them, um, when you're angry and find out where something may be amiss. But that's really hard to do on your own because it feels true. Yeah. Wouldn't be, wouldn't be angry. Right. So they start off from a standpoint of, I'm believing all this stuff. And that's mm-hmm. what's, what's making me angry. And then we're saying, well, yeah, that's true. But that's you're, you're believing it automatically, like out of conditioning and out of the viewpoints that may be distorted. What if you broadened your picture, could see more of what's really true?
0: Mm-hmm. Your anger
1: might disappear mm-hmm. if you did that. Mm-hmm. like, well, oh, that's interesting. But how the hell do you do that? You know, And that's mm-hmm. where the coaching comes in where I give them lots of practice in taking their automatic beliefs and challenging them and seeing how they're very limited and they're sometimes very wrong, you know? Mm -hmm. And then they get practice doing that over and over again, and then they get good at it. Then they can do it on their own.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. We need to be led through when we're in our box, when we're in in our story. Yeah. And we've always been in our story, so we don't know otherwise until somebody else is kind of like point something out, which might make you angry at first because you're like, wait a minute, what are you saying? Da, da, da. But it's getting it's you funny. to. It's,
1: it's funny. I did, I create. by the way, I created a series of videos called Storytime mm-hmm. to talk about some of the different stories that we live in that that we don't realize are stories. OK, mm-hmm. And the first story, the first uh, installment in that series, was about the story that I'm not creating stories. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm seeing reality. <laughs> right? <laughs> no, that's not the way human beings are. <laughs> we, we never see reality the way it really is. We only see it through our stories and our filters.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And filters. So that's like the first. That's like the first story you need to grapple with you know to understand yourself better
0: so powerful everybody oh my gosh (laughs) okay okay so let's move on and get to know you a little bit more you as a person so okay dr moore the second question being how do you incorporate more creativity into your own life we've heard it a lot about work and we heard a little bit about you playing tennis um are there other ways that you kind of go to where you feel like um, you can be more creative?
1: Yeah. Well, I one, one big way for me is writing. Mm-hmm. Again, when I was younger, I hated writing. Uh, I didn't think I had, talent, I had any talent at it. I didn't like it. These were in the days when, you know, we only had typewriters. Yes. And, and if you made a mistake, it was like an ordeal. Yeah. Correct it. Every time I had to do a paper for school or something, it was horrible.
0: Yeah, you had to put in the correction fluid. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It was, yeah. It was awful experience. <laughs> you know, I hated writing. And then the personal computer came out and I bought one of the first personal computers back in early 1980s because I had created a nonprofit organization out of nothing. <laughs>
0: hmm? Wait, so tell us about that for a minute. What was the nonprofit?
1: The nonprofit was called the Health Resource Network, which still exists by the way.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and the goal originally was to bring traditional medical, uh, medical health professional people together with alternative health providers. Okay. So that nice. they could find that, learn about each other and, and understand each other better and understand what the strengths and weaknesses were of each of the various disciplines and all that kind of stuff. Cause there was a lot of animosity Yeah. and distrust and, and, uh, you know, automatic disqualification of anybody alternative by the traditional medical field. So Mm -hmm. I wanted to bring people together. By the way, my wife is a holistic veterinarian. So,
0: you
1: know, I I, I walked the talk. I love this. (laughs) So, um, but that was the idea. And we had, um, and I ran it for a couple of years, but I, uh, I had a, a couple hundred people at one time. So I needed to send out newsletters every month. I was creating a newsletter, another thing I created. A newsletter and then i needed to mail them out so the personal computer came out and you could do a mail merge and print mailing labels and you know it could automate some of this tedious stuff of sending out newsletters to a couple hundred people every month so i bought this personal computer and mm-hmm. i started using it for that purpose but then you know and then i was writing some things up for this for the people who are in this organization i would write up reports or things and I found that just sitting, uh, writing on a personal computer where you could make the changes without any muss or fuss, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, just released this, uh, this writer within me,
0: this mm. creative
1: writer within me just came out, you know, and I, mm-hmm. I would find myself sitting after, you know, I'd be in the evening or something, I'd be at, at the office where this organization was of, I'd start writing stuff and it would be like eight o'clock at night and I'd wake up and be midnight wow. And, and, and like I had written 20 pages of something and it just kind of all flowed out of me. And, mm-hmm. and most of it was pretty good. I mean, I had to go back and clean up some stuff and cut out some stuff, but, but I had a lot of good thoughts and a lot of good things that came together just kind of in the flow, you know, got in, I got an, it was a flow state for me and, yeah. and I realized I had this ability to write.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and I, I I write all the time now. Every day I write something just about, but I write, I've been writing like uh, a blog post, which are now email messages, but Monday, Wednesday, Friday, every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I I pick a topic each week and I break it into three parts and I just write those three parts and I send it out Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and I've been doing that for like 13, 14 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I've never missed a week. I've done that. So it's so the writing for me is very is, is a creative practice because I love again it's making something and I sit down at a blank screen. Yeah. And and I just let stuff come out. And you know, I guide it sometimes. I sometimes I know what I want to write about. A lot of times I start off start off writing I'm not sure where it's going to go. Yeah. I'm amazed where it ends up. You know, it usually ends up with something pretty neat. And I just love that process, you know.
0: So I want to just add one thing before we go on is to me, it seems here kind of released this perfectionism thing where you, you had the ability to, you can make mistakes. It was easy for you to change it and all of this. Um, It took all the
1: anxiety away from writing and and it it became enjoyable. And and then I saw that I had this ability to do it, which was like, again, the same thing happened in going to medical school. I didn't think I was going to like it. And then I, all of a sudden, saw that I liked it. Yeah. And it was a surprise. surprise.
0: Because we create these blocks because we have this idea that we're not good at it. So we have a feeling attached to it that we're not good at it. I see this all the time as well. It's just like, so you shut down. so I'm curious, when you write, so here you have this structure, which I love, of um, three days a week yep. that you create your blog and your email, which I receive. And they're really great because they're kind of short and to the point and very informational. Um, you can relate. Yeah. Um, do you do you go back and do a lot of editing or are you just kind of like, this is what it is. I'm not going to go back.
1: Now, I don't do a lot of editing. Now, I mean, mm-hmm. I write it and I'll and then I go back and clean it up a little bit one maybe two times you know Mm -hmm. but mostly it's just minor you know did i misspell something did i did i put an and where i meant and you know a n rather than and you know you get little things like that where yeah when you're writing fast sometimes those things slip in and and you don't notice them right away but then when you go back and proofread it um you can pick them up so but usually i don't and again with the computer it's easy to make changes and cut out sentences or rearrange paragraphs if you need to, or add something, right. you know, you may when in reading it over, you might say, well, I should put some explain this or, or put this in there or something, you know, so you can do all that stuff very effortlessly without any angst. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but, but most of the time, the first time I write it, it's pretty, it's 90%, you know, what I, what I end up going out with.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it it's kind of like when I do anything like that, too, I feel like it's kind of like a channeled message that it's just kind of yeah. coming through. And then um, yeah, and then it's like, okay, I've even sometimes in when I'm uh, creating a blog, a blog is kind of new to me. And when I was like, okay, I'm going to do this and kind of stick to this. Um, but I said in the body of uh, of the introduction of everything of there are going to be mistakes, most probably yeah. the grammatical yeah. or whatever. I'm not going to go back and fix everything because this is what's coming through and this is the way it is. Yeah. So, and,
1: and the amazing thing is when you, when you learn how to type, you know, which I did when I was in like seventh grade or whatever it was, um, when you learn how to type and the <laughs> typing becomes automatic, you don't have to think yes. what, what your fingers are doing you're just staring at the screen and you're letting your thoughts come out and your fingers are moving and the words are appearing on the screen, like almost like magic. It's like, yes. you're not, it's like, you're not doing it, but they're up there. They're, the space is is being filled with what you're creating. That's sort of coming from your mind and it's just magically appearing on the screen. It's like, you're not there. Involved. <laughs> it's,
0: it's so true. It's like, Oh my gosh, that was brilliant. Am I that smart? <laughs> Am I that creative? (laughs) The
1: Um, other thing, I I, I give a lot of talks. And and mm -hmm. I used to have this horrible fear of public speaking, which I cured Mm -hmm. myself of, just like the anger. Same Mm -hmm. way. Um, And so now I give a lot of talks. And sometimes I'll have like an hour and a half seminar that I'm doing. And I'll have like a little index card that has maybe three points on it. The three main Mm -hmm. points I want to drive home during the presentation. Mm -hmm. And there's lots of different ways I could develop each one and give examples and interact with the audience and all kind of stuff. And so I love the fact that I can have those, just that one index card with three points, step out in front of a group where I'm going to be giving them lots of information and leading them through a process of understanding something. And I don't know what I'm going to say. It's not rehearsed. It's not memorized. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: It's like, I don't know what examples I'm going to, I'm going to come up with, but I know mm-hmm. I'm going to come up with a bunch because I know, I know the point, I understand the points well enough that I have lots of different examples from my experience. And and sometimes I amaze myself at what comes out of my mouth when I'm leading a, a seminar.
0: Yeah. Some,
1: some really great stuff comes out that I wasn't planning to say, but once I said it, it's like, that was really good. <laughs>
0: So you know what, that is the best. And I, I agree. Um, I'd love to hear what you think on this. And I, I, I understand that because I, I used to not be able to get up in front of people. I was terrified. And now it's kind of like, you don't even have to tell me what you're going to ask me. I'll just have a conversation and I'm good. Um, but for in talking about this idea of anxiety um when somebody what would you say to the person that's in the beginning stages of this and i love this idea of three bullet points but what would you say to a person that's just like okay i'm to the point of being able to talk but i say, need a little bit more than the three bullet points yeah, you would you
1: in the, in the beginning you can't do the three bullet points when i first time i gave my first seminar i gave ever yeah i had 40 pages of notes for uh, like the whole, right. script, the whole thing was scripted <laughs> i mm-hmm. spent all week <laughs> you mm-hmm. know For i had you know it was like six sessions once a week for an hour and a half the whole thing was written out i didn't read it but i mean i had it all scripted in front of me yeah and that, that was the, that's the support that i needed because i hadn't delivered the material before i hadn't talked about it before mm-hmm. but when you've delivered it a hundred times yeah you know it, you you kind of get to know it and understand mm-hmm. it so you don't need all the prompts to remind yourself uh, or to follow you you, you kind of know the flow you kind of know how to develop the points how to make the examples how to what things to highlight uh-huh. so you, until you get that body of uh experience and work uh inside of you you know that you can draw upon then it's hard to do that three three bullet thing but once once you've done that though you can do it you can pull it off yeah
0: yeah exactly yeah. So that's what I want you to hear that everybody is that is we build to these points. Yes. Because that's exactly, I completely agree. I mean, it's about in the, the experience.
1: In the beginning you may need a lot of prompts or things like that to for the first couple of times you do something like new like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So do you have any kind of a, a morning or an evening routine?
1: I have a morning routine. Yes. Uh, so I get up the same time every day, whether it's, weekday or weekend. I get up 530 every morning. Okay. And by the way, I, when I was going through medical school and trying to figure out what kind of doctor I wanted to be, one thing I decided early on is I could never be a surgeon because they get up too damn early in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) I could never do that. (laughs) (laughs) So now without having any surgical responsibility whatsoever, I get up at 530 in the morning, every morning. Okay. Um, And then I read, first thing I do is I read um, for maybe 20, 30. I, I usually have three or four books at my night table and I usually read two or three of them, you know, maybe 10 minutes each one, mm-hmm. five, 10 minutes each one. Um, and then I will um, check some things on my phone and then I usually will do a walk. So I'll do like a half a mile walk and have breakfast and then start my day.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm. So do you, um, do you wrap up the day in any certain way or does that, is that a variable?
1: Well, what I do is I like to, re- I usually work pretty solidly through the day at different things. And then at nighttime um, I like to relax and watch TV.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's, my, yeah. that's my, I don't have a, I don't have a nighttime ritual. I don't do journaling. I don't do gratitude. Um, I don't do a bunch of stuff that people recommend you do in the evening. I don't plan my next, you know day tomorrow. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just like to to relax, take it easy, and yeah. you know, mentally kind of give myself a little mini vacation at the end of the day.
0: Yes, I love it. I love asking people what they do because it's it's just you know I've heard so many different things and it's it's just beautiful because people do all different stuff, some similar things. But I remember one person saying every morning she's like, "I don't meditate." Um, Officially, but she wakes up at 6 a.m., makes her drink her tea and then lets the dogs out and stands at the door and watches them and like looks at nature, which to me is a meditation.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. that's good. So, so it's like all of these things, it's just different, but it's kind of taking that time to. Yeah, it's, um, good
1: to have, it's good to have a routine, even if it's a simple routine, um, doesn't have to be complex. Um, But it's good to have something that you do sort of the same way each morning. And and the same thing with getting up the same hour each morning. Get your body (laughs) kind of in that flow of knowing that that's when you're going to be waking it up.
0: Yeah. So, oh, my gosh. So we're almost at the top of the hour already. Um, So the third and final question, which just kind of wraps it up and puts a nice little bow on it, is why do you think creativity is important?
1: Well, if you look around, whatever room you're in right now, if you look around, all that stuff wouldn't be there unless somebody created it, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yep.
1: Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and again, I, it's funny because I used to think I used to think of myself as not being a creative because um, mm-hmm. of because of the standard definition, but I've created so much stuff in my life; it's unbelievable, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I've written 20 I've written over 23 books I told you about all the blog posts mm-hmm. uh, created a bunch of businesses over the years created two nonprofit organizations <laughs> uh, created all these seminars and workshops and programs um, and, and you know it's just endless I mean it's just I think it's a natu- uh, it's the natural state of a human being to take stuff and, and either reassemble it for for better for for new purposes, or just make up a whole bunch of stuff that that's useful for people, mm-hmm. you know, including themselves. So, yeah, I think it's like a universal superpower we have.
0: Oh, I love that it's actually
1: very spiritual because I mean, that is what the act of creation that we attribute to our religious deities and the spirituality mm-hmm. that we attribute to we are spiritual beings in the sense that we are. We are just as great, not just as, but we are uh, creative beings. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I always love every time how we kind of circle back to how we started, but it's a more expansive definition. Yeah. And it's a more expansive conversation. So. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Dr. Moore, uh, how can people connect with you?
1: Uh, the best way to connect with me is go to um, a URA website called theangersolution.org, theangersolution.org, and then um, put your name and email in there. You'll get a, um, an email with a PDF about, ang- about my anger program and anger and some information about anger. But it'll also get you on my mailing list, so you get those Monday, Wednesday, Friday emails that mm-hmm. I send out. You can always unsubscribe if you don't like them. Uh, but and then you can always communicate with me by responding to one of those emails, or you know that'll that'll get you um, connected to me.
0: So, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's something you want to do.
0: Wonderful. I um I have to say, everybody, I highly recommend because I get his emails and uh, it really makes me think and I get inspired every time. So before series, we say our series, go ahead, this,
1: my series uh, this week will be on humility, arrogance, and wisdom.
0: Ooh.
1: The Relationships between those things.
0: Mm. Okay, everybody. So you need to get definitely on his mailing list. Very interesting. I'm curious to see how this will unravel. Um, anything else top of mind before we say goodbye that you feel like you want to say that you didn't get a chance to say?
1: Um, well, I think the one message I like to spread about anger um, is, is for people to realize that they're not, st- if they have an anger issue or they have anger issues, they're not stuck with them. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of things in our society would make people believe uh, quite falsely that you know, you've been angry for a number of years and you've tried to fix it and you can't, or you haven't. Um, it doesn't mean you can't. Mm-hmm. It, it just means you need to find an approach that's different than what you've been doing and you shouldn't give up hope, and you shouldn't stop looking, uh, because there are creative solutions out there that do uh, that do tend to work, but they're not widely publicized. So, uh, so a lot of people, unfortunately, walk around with the false belief, limiting belief, that they can't do much about their anger problem to get rid of it when they actually can. Mm-hmm.
0: So everybody, you hear that this is a perfect reason why you need to reach out to Dr. Mort because um, he gives you these practical solutions and is really there listening and can actually help you walk away in 10 weeks to be like, oh, my God.
1: Oh, my God. I'm not angry anymore.
0: <laughs> I'm not angry. <laughs> <laughs>
1: or I'm not as angry as I used to be. Anymore. <laughs> uh,
0: thank you so much for hanging out with me. I really appreciate it. It was oh, great it talking was, to you.
1: It was fun. Thank you. We created yeah. something. Look at that. We did. <laughs> <laughs> created something from nothing. nothing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so beautiful. So, and I so appreciate. Thank you so much to those joining us live and those catching the replay i know you could be doing anything with your 30 minutes and i truly appreciate you spending the time and hanging out with us i believe this whole idea of creativity this whole definition is uh, it, these conversations we need to expand the definition so people can actually see themselves i am passionate about this so they can see themselves within it so they can actually feel more joy and happiness yes and, and i believe these conversations have always been needed but i think now more than ever these conversations need to happen. So please like, follow, share all of that good stuff so it can reach more people. So um, we can just share this message. And it's a whole ripple effect. So again, Hala Citron with I'm Creative. And wherever you are listening in the world, I wish you a good morning, a good afternoon and a good evening. And we'll talk to you again soon. So goodbye, everybody. Bye bye. I believe these conversations have always been important, but now I think that they are more important than ever. Please like, follow, share, spread the goodness because people really need to hear these messages in order to be able to see themselves in them, in order to be able to hear these people's stories, in order to be able to expand their thinking. It is so important to really understand that creativity is life and everybody has creativity within them. To find out more about what we offer, go to IamCreativePhilly.com and you will see that there are services from publishing, multi-author and solo books, kits, workshops, and retreats to creativity one-on-one coaching. So if you are ready to unleash your voice, break through your blocks, and confidently share your story, I cannot wait to help you birth your ideas into the world.